Hey, remember, dang it, write us. Sean at AletheaMedia.com. Send us your name and the state or country in which you live so we can put you in our uh, files for what we're going to be doing in the near future. And you're going to want to be a part of this if you like this ministry. If you just tune in and you don't care, then don't do it. But if you care and you want to be part of something and actually benefit by doing this, all you got to do is email us, Sean at AletheaMedia.com, name and the state or country in which you live. Now listen, years ago, uh, when I was LDS, even as a kid, I was a seeker of truth, trying to find out what is true, what is real, what is right, liked authenticity, did not like to be messed with with stuff that just didn't make sense. And uh, it wasn't my sense. I wanted to know God's sense. So I used the scripture. And in those days, it was the Book of Mormon and the Bible and the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price and the Ensign and, and all these different things that Mormons have, the, the words of the prophets and books about everybody. And, and I thought that was how I was going to find the truth and go to the temple and go on a mission and get married and sealed and teach and fulfill my callings all the while wanting to know what was true, what was real, what was of God. And, of course, I started to see as a Latter-day Saint that things weren't holding up to scrutiny relative to the later histories and the visions and the polygamy and the temple rites and rituals of masonry. And I came to understand that stuff's not, that stuff's not for me because I didn't find it being... Uh, uh, full of integrity. I didn't find it to be whole. I didn't find it to be true. So I left that and I, and I, and I, I wasn't embarking to do anything but to find truth. And I went to school of ministry. You guys know the story and uh, Calvary Chapel. And I learned all about eschatology relative to the Calvary Chapel way and, and, and what it looked like. And, and, and I embraced that. And I went on television. I had the show and I embraced those things. But all the while, I'm still searching and I'm still looking at everything presented to me on the plate. And we have a couple, we have a decade and we have a number of decades now under the belt of looking and seeking. And in time, I started to see that things with evangelical Christianity, specifically with Calvinism, wasn't holding up. And even with Christianity writ large, I started to see problems with that man-made idea of the Trinity and eternal punishment Things like that. And so I started looking at that. And eschatology played a huge role. Well, so in all of that, I was not planning. And I've never planned to try to do anything that was unique just because it's unique. The whole focus was to find truth. And in that truth, I have long maintained and stood on, even more so, grabbed, gripped, held strongly to Christ Jesus, Lord and Savior of there being one true and living God, of the Holy Spirit, of these expressions of God coming to us, and of the gospel, and of the Bible, and, and resurrection, and all of it all still being part of my makeup. But uh, what people have watched, if you've been with us from the beginning, is really the birth of a new Christian view. And, and, and this new Christian view isn't really new because other people have believed it, but uh, we are kind of presenting it in, in a new way, in another way, in what we think is a better way. So I just want to go through with you and talk to you about being Christian and the expressions of Christianity. 
And what these first five boxes represent is uh, the, the, the view called the continuing church view. Okay? All these represent the continuing church view. That means that churches need to be built and they need to continue on and on and on through history. And from those views, we have their central theology and we have, they have a claim founder and they have expressions, okay, uh, manifested in those. So let's talk about the first one. And I call this the linear the linear continued church view. And it claims that there is a linear line of authority on earth. And they call it a priesthood authority. And they say that their founder, of course, is Jesus Christ. But the real human founder, who didn't ascend into heaven, but passed on this line of authority, was Peter. And the expressions of the linear view of the continuing church view, the linear line of authority church view that came from Peter, we have all Catholic expressions. We have all Orthodox expressions. And we have uh, maybe some, uh, well, it, they aren't really, but kind of Anglican. Now, you can see I've kind of come over into this view because Anglican sort of straddles uh, that view, all right? So then the line of authority view, all right? Well, then we have the Protestant view of the continuing church. The Protestants say we need to break off in around 1530 and we need to, we need to say we are protesting against this linear view of church and we don't want anything to do with what you have claimed. There is a priesthood of the people, right? Now this all started off with the guy named Martin Luther. All right. And Luther said, we don't believe in this, this view of a priesthood authority and works and all that and, and indulgences that have crept into this view. So we are going to go with something new and we are going to use scripture as our truth. Now, what they have there is um, the central theology Theirs is a line of authority and tradition. What the Protestants say is we use the Bible. Sola Scriptura. And that's an advance. That's an improvement in the continuing church view. To not just say we're going to go by this tradition, but it's kind of an advance. And it's to say we're going to read the Bible and every man is going to read the Bible and the farmer, the plow, the plowboy is going to know as much as the scholar, et cetera, et cetera. Now, they have uh, Arminianism and they have Calvinism 
and they have uh, other ists and isms that are a central theological way. They have Methodists and they have their methodologies of, of doing things. And there's all sorts of central theologies. Now, the Protestants would say our central theology is Christ. But under the continuing church view, under Protestantism, there are so many views of Christ and how to reach him and be him that we have to kind of break it down. All right. Now, under here, we have high church Protestantism, and that would be Anglicanism, which again is a, is a kind of straddling between the linear and the Protestant view, high church. And then we have innumerable expressions and denominations, okay, all over the place. And I could go through and list them on that, Anabaptists and Anglicans and Baptists and Lutherans and Evangelicals and Presbyterians and Charismatics and, and Quakers and Calvary Chapelists and Church of God in Crisis. And it's just, there's all sorts of expressions that say, we don't go with the linear view we go with the Protestant view that we take the Bible, we read it and study it, and that is our guide, all right? So that was Martin Luther about 1530. And ever since, the continuing church under Protestantism has grown, but so has Catholicism and Orthodoxy. The next one, we don't talk about this much, is universalism, all right? And that was started by a guy named Adam Streeter. And what Adam Streeter suggested in 1785 AD is that all will be saved. So the, the, the central theology this line said only those who follow the traditions would be saved. This line said only those who are born again and read the Bible and follow it will be saved. This one, the universalist view, under the Christian church, all saved. Now, why do I say under the Christian church? Because there's universalism today that's not part of the Christian church at all. But there is a type of universalism that's out there that's part of the Christian church. It's Christian universalism. That's what Adam Streeter was. So universalism started as Christian, and then it branched out to being all about just God, not even Christ. And they stripped Christ out of it. But it started off with all the world is saved by Christ. That's Adam Streeter. And so we have Christian universalists here. And Christian universalists say that all are saved by Christ. He's done the finished work. And they don't differentiate between it being uh, saved by faith. They don't put any kind of faith in there. They don't put any kind of works in there. They just put Christ did the finished work. Okay. That's universalism. And, and to some degree, I do agree with that. I do agree that Christ has saved or reconciled the world to God, but he's only saved them from things. He hasn't saved them to the kingdom that comes by faith. Well, Christian universal says he saved them completely to the kingdom. Everybody. 
All right? And some people are of that ilk. The next one, or the last one of the continuing church view. So what that means is, if you're a Christian and you are believing that you should go to a church and believe something, you're going to either be a Catholic and Orthodox under the linear view. You're going to be a Protestant under the Protestant view. You're going to be a Universalist under the Universalist view. Or you're going to fall in what's called the Restorationist view. And the Restorationist view was started by a guy named Alexander Campbell. It wasn't Joseph Smith, and it wasn't uh, Ellen G. White or Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, it was uh, Alexander Campbell in 1810, okay? Uh, and this is, was a focus on restoring everything that had been lost in this view and this view and this view, okay? We want to restore what was at the original church, back to the earth. And we want to start, avoid all the heresies that have crept up in the doctrines of man through their traditions. We just want to do the pure church. So we find in the restorationist view, kind of an admixture of all of these, but they think that they are doing it better. And what they do is they look at the Bible and they say, the Bible says you should do this. We will do this. The Bible says this. We will do that. The, the Catholic Church says you should do this. The Bible doesn't say it. We're getting rid of that. Okay. And we have um, the Campbell Restorationists down here, the Campbellites. And then we have the Mormons. That's probably the biggest Restorationist group. And out of Joseph Smith have come hundreds and hundreds of expressions of Mormonism. Many people don't know that. They think Mormonism is just what's here in Salt Lake City headquartered with all the money. But Mormonism has a ton of different expressions of restorationist groups. They pop up here in Utah all the time. There's a new leader who has a new view of how to get back to what Joseph wanted. And there's all kinds of that. And then in addition to that, we have the Christadelphians. Christadelphians are a restorationist view, and they have a nice chunk of people who follow them. And Seventh-day Adventists are part of the restorationist view. The Worldwide Church of God is part of the restorationist view. Jehovah's Witnesses, Plymouth Brethren, Church of, uh, of, of Christ, big time. That's from Alexander Campbell, Church of Christ, restorationist view. So this restorationist is a return. Remember? to what was all right and biblical. They go back to the beginning and they keep some things that are in these and they discard the rest and they say that they are right. All right, that is the continuing church view. And you are part of it in one of those expressions probably. There could be some offshoots that I haven't covered there, but generally there's the continuing church view. I What you have watched in watching our shows and watching me for six, 15, 16 years, every week, learning and coming and understanding, teaching the Bible at campus, doing shows, what you have seen is that I have come to understand a different view. It, and you have watched the birth of a new Christian view. I didn't intend that, but that it has been the birth of a view. What is that view? 
I call it the non-church view. You see, these are all church, continuing church. We believe the church should continue, 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 continue. This is a non-continuing church view. And the best way to describe it is it is subjective. These are all objectively delivered to you. The restorationists through Mormonism or Campbellite or any of those say, this is what we are telling you to believe. And the Universalist says, this is what we are telling you to believe. And the Protestants have a thousand different ways that you must believe. And the Catholics and the Orthodoxy, of course, you have to believe and do things this way. Okay? But that these are all objective. In fact, we could say the continuing church view is synonymous with objective church, church views. I am suggesting that after everything is said and done, that what truly exists... Uh, in the earth, on the world, because of what God did through his son, is the subjective view. And the originator is not Sean McCraney. And the originator of this view is God himself. Why do I say that? Because he's the one who says it's going to be subjective. And that means it's going to be between you, the individual, and him. No churches can tell you objectively what you have to believe. It's between you and him. Now, in the subjective view, we get together and we do study scripture, but we say every view is open. You have the right to, to see this or believe it any way you want. Why? Because this view is subjective. It's non-church. So people say, how can you do that? The way you do it is that you have a group and you talk about what the views are and, you, and, the, and the teacher of the group can say, I see it this way or she can say, I see it that way. And the group gets to decide individually, not as a group, but individually what they believe. The group gathers just to hear the word studied. They realize that the teacher is fallible. They realize that the word needs to be uh, exegeted and discussed and cross-referenced with other things, that we need to look at what has been done to see what they have said. But there is no one right way, listen, on anything in the subjective view. Now, the reason that you go to that length, now, of course, I believe Jesus is the Christ. I believe there's one God. I believe that he expresses himself in Holy Spirit and Son and Father and, and all of that stuff. I believe the word of God is true. All those things I personally believe. But in the subjective view, I cannot impose anything on someone else. Why? Because at the end of the day, at the end of their life, they are the ones who have decided what they will believe, what, how they will pursue those beliefs, how they will live in accordance to what they know or what they believe they know. Not me. So while I can stand up there and say, my personal belief is this, 
I cannot in the subjective non-church view say, and you better believe it. I just say, this is how I see it. You decide what you see and come and let's gather together next week. Why do we gather? So we can study the scripture together. Because the word of God, now in the subjective view, you don't have to study the word. You don't have to show up to church or a gathering. You don't have to do anything. That's why this view uh, is superior. It's because it's between you and God. And he himself established it when he said, in that day, I will write my laws upon their hearts and in their minds. So you might be part of the kingdom of God. You might be a key player that has never stepped foot in a church. You might go up to the mountains or on the beaches or in the desert for your worship. You might do it daily. You might commune with God that way. And you would be part of the non-church view subjectively lived. This is the non-church view. These are the church views. This is the way the world operates under Christianity, admittedly. I suggest it's never been properly articulated that this is the way God has set it up and that it's men who have done this. God has done this. Now, we can do our part in learning and growing. That's why I, we do gather together here under the subjective view. But the model that we've had going for six, eight years now, maybe longer, we had it up at the University of Utah, has always been show up, there'll be a teacher, hear what's being said, we'll sing the word of God because the word is how faith grows, and we leave. In, in the non-church view, there's no gatherings weekly. In the non-church view, there's no assignments, there's no going to temple, there's no uh, obeying a Sabbath day, there's no condemnation for those who smoke or drink or do drugs or live with their girlfriends. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in charge in the, uh, in the subjective view. And we trust that God is reaching into every individual where they are. And if they are his by faith, he is working with them. We study the scripture, they hear it, and they decide how to interpret that. They decide how they will live. Our job is not to make sure they follow the restorationists or the universalists or the Protestant or the linear views. Our job is to share the word and love each other. You see, because that's another part of the non-church, non-material church subjective view. And that, that is you love people. And that that love, it means sharing the truth. I speak the truth to people all the time, but I do it in love. Someone says to me, do you think this is a sin? Yeah, I personally think that's a sin. Well, what do you do with that? Well, I leave that between you and God. Well, I'm doing that thing you think is a sin. Well, it doesn't mean I don't love you. Come and join with us. Let's see if maybe you change your mind. Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps in, in your life, God is letting that thorn stay in your side. There's no need for discipline. So truth and love always, but you try for truth, but you always love, always, with love being defined by what the scripture says. It's long-suffering, it's patient, it's kind, it's merciful, right? 
So anybody and everybody in the non-church view can come into a gathering, hear what is being taught, exit, live, believe, pursue as they wish. Do they ever have to come back? Never. Can they come back every week? They can. Do you see how the non-church view is not set up by rules? Because you place the onus and the responsibility and the reactions to information in the hands of each individual. If somebody wants to participate more and be there and study and ask questions and, and follow up and get together with others in the group on their own, they can do that. It's all up to the individual, you see. In these, it's all up to the organization. It's objectively uh, derived. So under the banner of Christian, we have had a history of doing church. I submit to you after years of public study, public teaching, I submit to you that that has amounted to individuals becoming lazy, relying on what their church teaches them rather than investigating itself. So the subjective view is really for people who really want to seek more and do more in their own life than what the church tells them to do. And this, this church view, this continuing church view has facilitated tradition. It has facilitated errant belief and practice. The subjective view says, let's explore it all. And it's up to you to how you will live because it is in the hands of the spirit, right? And where the fruit of the spirit is, there is uh, where the, uh, where the fruit, spirit of Christ is, there is liberty. So there, those are the things that I wanted to share under the banner of Christian today that you are witness or you have witnessed the birth of a new approach. And I have reached the point now, I'm pretty sure there could be some things I will personally change on doctrinally, but I will not change, I don't think, ever again on what God has established, what he has done through his son, through the nation of Israel, through the fall, through his foreknowledge. And we are in an age and day now where the faith is up to the individual. Seekers will find him. And uh, other people, they have their right to, uh, to follow him in any way they want. People in this view do not deride people in these views. They don't consider them as lesser or inferior or going to hell. They don't pick on them as being wrong. Okay? They say you have, everybody has the individual responsibility to pursue God or not. All right? That is the subjective view, the non-church view. Just wanted to introduce it to you. Remember, write us, Sean at Aletheia Media, if you're interested in being part of some changes that are coming up. Give us your name and the state or the country in which you live. That's it. And then next year, early next year, we will reveal to you what we are doing and then you have the, ch uh, the choice to be part of it or not. But write us now because if you're not part of the the people who have written in, and we're giving you plenty of advance notice, you probably won't be part of what we're going to do beginning next year.